facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. It is Tuesday, March the 28th, 2023. This is Kale Clark. So glad you're with me for this hour. And not just me, I'll be joined by a very special guest in just a moment. But I want to give out the phone number to call if you have a question for me or him. You can call 888-914-9149. Once again, 888-914-9149. You can also email the program, kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. Yeah, Clark with an E on the end. That's the only God-ordained way to spell Clark. I'm just kidding, all you Clark with a K people, like the great Caitlin Clark. But whatever your name is, uh, I, I'm happy to be in touch with you, and I'm very, very happy to be joined by a special guest who I'll introduce to you in just a moment. But I'd be remiss not to mention the obvious fact that uh, right now America is reeling from yet another tragic incident of gun violence, yet another mass shooting, yet another school shooting that took place yesterday at the Covenant Christian School in the Nashville, Tennessee area. A 28-year-old woman uh, whom I will not name, I don't want to give her any publicity, um, who identifies as transgender, used three guns to kill three children and three adults. The children were all nine years old. I do want to give their names as well as the, uh, the names of the adult victims as well because we need to pray for their repose. We need to pray for their families at this gut-wrenching time. Hallie Scruggs, who was nine years old, she was the daughter of the pastor of the Covenant Presbyterian Church, which was affiliated with this school, uh, Pastor Chad Scruggs. Uh, Hallie Scruggs, who was nine, of course. Evelyn Dykehouse, also nine years old. William Kinney, nine and the adults who perished were Mike Hill, 61 years of age, who was a school custodian. Cynthia Peake, also 61, who was a substitute teacher that day. And Catherine Kuntz, who was 60, she was the head of the school. I also want to mention the names of the heroic officers of the Nashville Police Department who neutralized the threat. And uh, there is body cam footage, obviously you might have already seen it, that's on the internet. I will warn you, it's, it's very tough to watch. Um, but it is an example of heroism and courage, the kind of courage that many people really said was lacking in the incident in Uvalde, Texas, where uh, the authorities' failure to act in a timely manner resulted in more needless deaths. And th- this, was, uh, this was unbelievable. Officer Rex Engelbert, uh, Michael Calazzo, and there was another officer involved as well. I don't have the, the name of, uh, of that officer, but um, they acted swiftly and decisively and saved many lives in the process. And so I'm joined right now to talk about that and a bunch of other things that we're going to get to by the CEO and chairman of the board of Relevant Radio, also the host of the Family Rosary Across America, Father Rocky. And, and Father, you've been really over the past few years especially, you've really become America's priest with the Family Rosary and everything that's happened during COVID. And I'm sure that our listeners would want a word from you. What what would you say to them? What what words of comfort can you give in light of such an unspeakable tragedy? Well, thanks a lot, uh, Kale. When you invited me to your show, <clears throat> I don't know, it was about a week ago. Of course, we had no idea mm-hmm. this was going to be a news story. But in Talk Radio, that's what we do. We talk about the news of the day in the moment, and we can um, help people kind of deal with it. And uh, thank you for laying that out there. We do pray for the repose of the soul. 
of everyone involved and even the criminal who had to be out of her mind. Uh, we pray for mm. that. But, you know, my initial reaction last night when I got this news, I said, here we go again. And um, it almost becomes a regular occurrence, especially in the springtime in the United States. It seems like the violence is contagious. It is a very, very sad story. It's very distressing because it's grossly unjust. I mean, who would kill a defenseless, innocent mm. nine-year-old child, right? Somebody's got to be out of their mind. And yet in history, we see that people do kill uh, defenseless children. And the chief culprit was in the time of Jesus, Herod. Right. Right. And Herod was a maniac, but he was uh, sort of the titular king of Israel that time, and he felt threatened and um, all the rest, and we know that story. And in our own day, uh, through abortion, people kill defenseless, innocent, unborn children. Mm -hmm. So I always go back to this to try to understand. You know, we all try to seek to understand the things that happen. And... um, Mother Teresa used to say, St. Mother Teresa, if uh, parents can kill their child in the womb, what's to prevent us from killing each other? So I've always seen that circle of violence in our country linked to that. Uh, Violence breeds violence. You know, Jesus said those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And there are other things that unsettle people in our country and in our contemporary culture. Not only abortion, but divorce and all the pain and anger that brings with it fatherless families, uh, sooner or later rejection of God and his love and, and his laws lead to this kind of uh, despair, right? So um, there are many kind of technical answers people could try to give to this, increased security and video cameras. But, you know, if a person is determined to kill someone, um, they're probably going to kill somebody, right? And I was thinking about this, you know, is this about guns? Um, I think it's about something much deeper, right? Because we've seen in our own time, a person could use a car, a person could use yeah. a truck, a person could use a 737 or 747 and fly it into a plane. If a person is determined to kill, um, they're going to find a way to do that, right? So what can I encourage our audience to do right now? In the first place, we need to ask God for his help. We do that every single night on the Family Rosary Cross America. Mm-hmm. So Lord, we need your help down here on earth. Not only the people are calling in because they've got cancer, somebody ran away, or emerged in their eye. We just we need your help here on Earth. So that was the first intention last night of the Family Rosary Cross America, mm. and, and we will, you know, also say it uh, tonight. So we need to ask God for help, and we need to encourage everyone to return to God. Right? We need God's help, and what prevents acts of violence is grace, God's grace, whether it be sanctifying grace or actual grace. And the source of that grace is Jesus Christ himself. And we can get that grace in the sacraments, Holy Eucharist on a regular basis, confession on a regular basis. And that kind of tames us. I tell people I was chaplain at a boys' school for 12 years, Mm -hmm. Northridge Prep in Chicago. 300 boys, 6th grade through 12th grade. In my 12 years there, I think there were only two fist fights. That's (laughs) highly unusual. That is highly unusual. Especially in a small school, all that pent-up energy, only only two fistfights. I mean, growing up in my family, I had five older brothers. We had fistfights every day, right? <laughs> but what we didn't have at home and what Northridge Prep had at the school was the most blessed sacrament in the chapel. Mm. And it has a civilizing effect on those of us who otherwise could turn into you yeah. know, violent people. 
And um, that's why I'm very happy that the bishops of this country are promoting a great awareness of the Holy Eucharist, the Eucharistic revival. And, and we're going to be talking more about that and promoting that. But, you know, we need grace and we need mm-hmm. um, we need charity and we need to follow God's laws. Um, you know, there's there's a real connection to the dissatisfaction and the floating anger out there and the violence to the breakup of the family. Yeah. Um, fatherless homes and a divorce and uh, all of that. And I was listening to Drew's show earlier today. I was, mm-hmm. I'm down here in Florida. I was listening on one of our great FM stations. And, um, you know, he, he listed it out there. You know, if people don't have family dinner together, they grow alienated. They become lonely. That loneliness turns to desperation and, and sometimes to anger, right? And sometimes what we can do for our friends, if they know they're having a bad time, is first we, we need to reach out to people. How are you doing? What's going on? Is there some loner out there in yeah. your social circle mm-hmm. who doesn't have contact? Reach out to that person. How are you doing? And sometimes if they have ideas that are off the wall, we need to say charitably, but uh, quite clearly, are you out of your mind? Yeah. And sometimes they can wake people up. Are you out of your mind? You wouldn't want to do that, right? So, um, you know, let, let's pray. And um, I'm sure these the children and those good people went straight to heaven. But um, it's got to be very unnerving for that community and um of course there will be uh continued conversation in some circles about the transgender issue here because that was an issue Mm -hmm. back on july 4th not too far from our headquarters in uh, chicago the highland park shooting and that's just you know that is just one of the many issues that people deal with right there are other people who commit horrible acts of violence who don't have to deal with that issue right so it's not just the only issue out there um, but it's sort of symptomatic of the dissatisfaction of people. They're not happy with themselves, right? Yeah. And um, I feel sorry for these people. Um, how much of that is their own choice? How much of it is not their own choice? How much of it is environmental? I don't know. Only God knows that and, and maybe some others. You know, I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt, but... Um, that's what it is. That's what it is. But, you know, I always kind of look at, you know, these uh, gross miscarriages of justice. And that's coming up next week for our own consideration during Holy yeah, Week, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Palm Sunday, everybody's cheering for Jesus to be king. Yeah, but five <laughs> yeah. days later, on Good Friday, nobody's cheering for him. You're like, hey, people, what happened? Yeah. What happened? People can be very, very fickle. We can be like lemmings, right? That's Following so the loudest voice and the voice that's in vogue at that moment. And um, that's why I think one of the great things we do at Relevant Radio is we try to help people to think. And that's kind of the tagline for Ave Maria University. They're the sponsor of the Family Rosary Across America. And they say, at Ave Maria University, we don't tell you what to think. We teach you how to think. Yeah. And, um, you know, much of the mass media today does people's thinking for them, whether it be TV or social media or um, radio or things like that. Here at Relevant Radio, we're trying to teach you how to think and ask yourself the question, is that true? And is that all of the truth? Yeah. So those are some of my thoughts there, Kale. No, those are, those are very, very cogent thoughts. Father Rocky Hoffman is my guest today, CEO of Relevant Radio and host of the Family Rosary across America. And obviously, yeah, the miscarriage of justice. We talked about yesterday the book of Daniel, the incident with Susanna, and how that, that, oh, right. that kangaroo court really in some ways prefigures the, the trial of Jesus. And um, we obviously serve a God who is not unfamiliar with suffering. He personally entered into it. 
And right. that's why in so many ways the resurrection is the answer. And, and encountering Jesus personally is is the answer to, it won't necessarily magically solve all of our problems, but uh, it's definitely a great start to get in touch with his love. And I think, I don't think it's a stretch to say this is part of the reason why, Father, you instituted Lenten lessons on the Mass. And what would you say to people? Obviously, you can go to relevantradio.com, the Relevant Radio app. People have heard about Lenten lessons, but they might be saying to themselves, Father, at this point, it's too late. Lent, Lent is already almost over. Why should I sign up for this? What, what would you say to somebody who's thinking along those lines? I would say to people, um, you know, this is when I'm just about to get started for Lent. You know, so, okay, we got two weeks left. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. got one week left. Right. I, better get I can do something. This. Right. We're in the fourth quarter. I better start playing. All right. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's never too late to start. And um, that's all part of God's mercy. So there's a story about the Lenten lessons on the Mass. Um, back in 2010, uh, we had a company-wide meeting at the Wincliffe Conference Center, and we're tossing out around all sorts of ideas. And one of the takeaways from that was our um, IT digital guys said, anybody who's on air has to have a Facebook page. And they said, mm-hmm. Facebook is the fastest growing country in the world. It currently has 300 million um, users. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I was not real eager to get a Facebook page because mm-hmm. I thought, my goodness, I don't need another channel that people can communicate to me, right? I've got mm-hmm. the door in my office, the door in my house, my address, mailing address at the office, my mailing address at home. I've got my personal cell phone. I've got the company cell phone. I've got a company email. I've got, I don't need another. But anyway, I complied. And um, that was kind of the heyday, wild west of, of Facebook where um, things could really go viral. Yeah. And uh, about one year into it, I said, you know, I think my Lenten fast this year is I'm going to write a short lesson about the Mass each day for 40 days. I'm going to find some picture on the Internet to um, sort of dramatize that, and I'm going to put mm-hmm. it on there. And since I do it in public, I have to do it, because people say, hey, you didn't post today. All right? So I got through that, and I found it really quite energizing and very easy to do, um, because I celebrate the Mass every day, and, and the Mass is almost inexhaustible in terms of its mm-hmm. riches, richness and twists and turns and and all sorts of things. So um, years went by, and the Damien Schmidt, who's our vice president digital, yeah. who is uh, very, very Fantastic. clever and on top of every new trend. Oh, Damien's In fact, he showcased me chat GPT last week, and I almost <laughs> fell out of my chair. That's yeah, right? unreal, isn't it? Yeah, no, he stays uh, on top of the latest development. He said to me, hey, you remember those Lenten lessons? What do you think if we um, send them to our listeners this year? And I said, um, that's fine with me, but I don't know where they are. They're lost in the cloud somewhere. And he said, no, I kept them. I said, what do you mean you kept them? <laughs> no, I kept them. I said, you keep the pictures too? He said, I kept the pictures too. So wow. this is three or four years ago. And I don't know how we promoted it. Maybe we asked people on the air. And I think like 6,000 people signed up. And mm-hmm. we sent them an email every day. The next year, we did it again. But about this time, 20,000 people signed up. And... I took each written lesson and made a um, compact version that which fits in a one-minute uh, commercial on air, and we'd run them on air. Then the next year, they asked me to do videos of them, and I said, I don't have time. Um, I'm not going to do videos. No, you got to do it. So we <laughs> said, okay, I'm going to be there for two days, a Monday and Tuesday, get the camera guy. I'll just start talking, lead you through the entire mass, and then you guys um, – 
you know, kind of divvying them mm-hmm. up into minutes, and that's how it was born. This year, I, I think we're sending them out to like 200,000 people a day. That's We've had millions of views of videos. Um, they're on all sorts of social media platforms. The best thing about it is they're free, and you will learn something every single day. Um, I think they're always in vogue during Lent, just like um, Christmas carols are in vogue during Advent. You know, every Christmas time, Advent, you have the same Christmas carols. Well, same thing here during Lent. You've got the Lenten lessons on the Mass. Maybe next year we'll do something extra, but um, it's been good for me. I like watching them and reading them. I say, oh, I I wrote that myself and I forgot it. I don't know if that ever <laughs> happens good. to you. Oh, it happens yeah. to me all the time, all yeah. the time. And our own memory needs to be jogged, absolutely. And, and so I, I agree. And producer Jim just sent me a little note. In terms of is it too late, he said, better latare than no, never. No, 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 no. Better latare. Yeah, oh, latare, okay. pretty good, I, yes. I, I thought that was pretty good. So well well ah, done, producer Jim. Oh, way good, Jim. And hey, I, I like what you said, Father. It, it may be the fourth quarter of Lent, but it's not too late. All the New England Patriots fans in America are celebrating 28-3 day today, of course. That was the score of the Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons, against the Patriots. They were down 28-3 with two minutes and 12 seconds left to go in the third quarter. And you know what happened. Tom Brady led the comeback. It's not too late for you to make a Lenten comeback in your faith. And Father, can you can you stay with me just for just for a bit? we got to take a little break sure. here. But Let's I do, do want to ask you about the walk to Mary as well, because that's coming up soon as well. You're listening to Thank the you. K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio. 888-914-9149. We'll be right back with Father Rocky after this quick message. And, oddly enough, a word from Father Rocky, another Lenten lesson coming up for you, too. Stay tuned. This is The Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. That song you're hearing in the background, it's called The Man, and I've got The Man joining me today. Father Rocky himself, CEO of Relevant Radio, host of the Family Rosary Across America. He's joining me right now, and you can call in, 888-914-914-9149. And Father Rocky, before the break, we were talking about Lenten lessons on the Mass. We just heard another one for today. Encourage everybody, it's not too late to sign up at RelevantRadio.com, the Relevant Radio app, and obviously... We need priests in order to celebrate any Mass, of course, and you're a priest of Opus Dei, Father. Today is the anniversary. On this day in 1925, St. Jose Maria Escrivá, the founder of Opus Dei, was ordained himself. What does he mean to you, and do you remember much about your—I'm sure you do—about your own ordination day? I'm sure it's seared in your memory. Can you tell us about that as well? Sure, sure. Well, it's a great feast day for um, St. Jose Maria, and he remembered his ordination— uh, very clearly on that day in March 1925, uh, on the 28th. And he had extraordinary impact on tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people because of his faith, his commitment, his generosity, his deep and abiding faith in the Holy Eucharist, and his love for Our Lady. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's the founder of an institution church uh, called Opus Dei. I'm a member of that. But I think his impact goes way beyond that. And one of the impacts is his devotion to the Holy Eucharist. So um, he wanted everything in the chapel or the oratory of the mm. church to be really well taken care of. Right? He had no tolerance for cutting corners or things that are dirty or out of, of shape. He would just 
be really on top of um, you know all the details mm-hmm. of uh, the the liturgy, the linens, the vestments, uh, all the rest. And I travel around the country, and I sometimes travel other parts of the world, and I see more and more churches having these beautiful tabernacles in the center of their sanctuary, <laughs> and they yeah. come from a workshop in Madrid called Talleres, which is workshop de Arte Granda, the Granda family. Huh. There was one down here in Sarasota, St. Michael's Church. I said, Gee, what a beautiful tabernacle. Wow. The people in that parish probably have no idea, and the pastor probably has no idea, that that influence came from St. Rosemary's vision of giving the best for God. And I've seen it in the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in La Crosse, Wisconsin. I've seen it in the shrine of the Holy Eucharist that Mother Angelica built down at EWTN. I've seen it mm-hmm. uh, many places. And he had this um, phenomenal devotion to Jesus and the Holy Eucharist. And he would encourage people, if they could, to visit him every day. And if possible, to go to Mass every day. And if they could, to go to confession every week and to arrive early for Mass and stay a little bit late after Mass and spend some time making an act of thanksgiving. And um, so he's been a phenomenal gift to the Church, and I think his impact will last for centuries and centuries and centuries. Same thing like with John Paul II. People ask, Mm, what's his legacy? I certainly think the Catechism of the Catholic Church is the legacy of John Paul II where the faith is stated very clearly. Now, I know some people don't like some of the things in the catechism because they're tough, all right? And so mm-hmm. they like to change yeah. them. Um, but it's there. <laughs> and it was yeah. published by a saint with the participation of all the bishops around the world. That's, that's a great legacy. But I think it even is. longer than that, his legacy will be the um, luminous mysteries that he added to the rosary, which we pray on Thursdays. So... Yeah, um, Yes, today is the anniversary. Oh, and my ordination day? Um, I was lucky. I was in the right place at the right time. I was in Rome, and I was uh, ordained as a priest by St. John Paul. And my parents were there, and my family was there, and friends were there. And... um, how about that? That's pretty lucky, huh? Yeah, that that that's that's absolutely amazing to be ordained. I don't think I slept the night before, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I I'm sure you didn't. But uh, wow, how how exciting is that? And and speaking of priests, speaking of confession, the importance of a frequent confession. I, I've got a question here from a listener, and sure. it's it's actually a question for you, Father. And this is something that I can't answer personally. It's an intriguing question. Our old friend Jim from Front Royal, Virginia, the home of Christendom College, is on the line. Hey, Jim, what's your question for Father? Hi, Jim. Oh, hey, thanks. Good. Thanks for taking my call, Father. And, and um, Kale, if you don't mind, I have a, a also a follow-up question, which I think will intrigue you even more. Oh, okay. Two so, for one. Um, two You're a good one, shopper. Yeah, two for one, yeah. <laughs> so the, fir- the first question is, you know, uh, I, uh, priests are, are just men. Uh, what happens if a priest finds himself in a state of mortal sin Sunday morning and there's no priest to go to confession to? Whoa. <laughs> right. Well, we studied that moral case, right? So the hypothetical could be is a priest is out with his friends on a Saturday night and he has uh, a beer and he speaks too much and he uh, utters words of great uncharity. Uh, about, let's say, uh, a political figure. This would never happen in um, real life, of course. No, (laughs) all right. Just goes over the top with his lack of charity. And and his conscience accuses himself of having committed a mortal sin. And if he cannot get to confession, he still has the responsibility 
to celebrate Mass for the parishioners, and he should make a perfect act of contrition with the resolution going to confession as soon as possible. So I don't know if you ever read Graham Greene's The Power and the Glory. Have you ever read that novel, Jim? I have not, but I will look for it All right. So it's a priest who's a drunk in Mexico Hmm. during the revolution down there, right? And, um, you know, he's just got a problem with that. And yet he's incognito, and he knows he's a hunted man, and they're trying to kill him, but he's still trying to bring the sacraments to the people. And uh, it's really quite a, a testimony. But you're absolutely right. That's why we have to pray for priests. We have to pray mm-hmm. for priests and offer prayers and mortification for them and try to give them good example. All right, yeah. next question, yeah. two for yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, what's what's the second question, Jim? Okay, and this this relates right back to your earlier statement about today. Is today the anniversary of your ordination? Is that what I understood? No, it's not my ordination. It's the anniversary of the ordination of St. Josemaria, the founder of Opus Dei. I'm a priest oh, okay. of Opus Dei. But your ordination was 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 referenced, I I think. That's right. Yep. Here's here's what I I and and so many callers or or listeners are dying to know. (laughs) They've asked me to ask you this. Okay. (laughs) Did your parents name you Rocky, or did you take that at your ordination under? (laughs) Great. That is like the most common question I've ever asked. Right. And I've tried to get rid of the name numerous occasions. And I have seven older brothers and sisters, and there's eight stories about how I got the name. So I'm sticking with the one that my mother told me. So when I was born, my mom wanted to name me Peter. Peter in Latin is Petrus. Petrus means rock, right? So there's where Peter and rock come together. But my father wanted me uh, to have his father's name because it looked pretty clear I was going to be the last of all the cousins. I think there's 40 on my dad's side. So I was baptized with my grandfather's name, Francis Joseph Hoffman. Frank J. Hoffman. Um, but my mother, being clever and determined, um, nicknamed me Rocky. My older <laughs> brother's sisters thought that was great. And I don't think I knew my name was Francis for sure <laughs> until first day of grade school at Santa Maria del Popolo School in Mundelein when Sister Una started taking a roll call and she said, Francis Hoffman, Francis Hoffman. I'm looking Who's around that? and I'm thinking, I must have a cousin around here. <laughs> Finally, she looks at me and said, are you Francis Hoffman? I said, I hope not. That's a girl's name. <laughs> so um, I've tried to get rid of it a number of times. In fact, in my first six years as a priest, I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where we've got a beautiful couple of FM stations. And everybody there knows me as Father Frank. But when I came back to Chicago, which is my roots, where I'd worked with kids for years and years, everyone just called me Father Rocky. And then John Morales who's the host of the morning show, had me on his show. And then he went over the top. He played the theme song from Rocky. And, like, I want to crawl under a desk here. This is this is too much. So that's all there is to it, Jim. Well, that, well hey, Jim, that, that is those are great, great questions, and I'm, I'm glad that we got to hear the backstory on that. Yeah, I used to introduce Father with that music as well, but he's put the kibosh on that. And, uh, but, you. hey, you can't escape it now. You, you're Father Rocky, whether you like it or not. And we, we talked earlier, Father, about uh, St. Jose Maria. His ordination day was today, uh, March the 28th in 1925. And he was well known, as you said, Father, for his love of Our Lady. He used to say, hey, don't imitate me in anything, but you can imitate me in this, my love for Our Lady. And, of course, speaking of that, this is the 10th anniversary, speaking of anniversaries, of the yeah. walk to Mary. So tell us a little bit about right. that and how that got going. So... Um, not too far from Green Bay, Wisconsin, which up until recently was the headquarters of Rowland Radio. Now it's down in Chicago. 
There's a shrine to Our Lady out in Derry Country called Our Lady of Good Help, H-E-L-P, in a little hamlet called Champion, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. There's a big, big story about this, and I'm not going to go into the whole story. But anyway, um, the new bishop came into Green Bay, I think in 2007, 2008, Bishop Rickon, and he appointed a theological um, council to review the claims of an apparition that had taken place in 1859. Um, long story short, he approved this apparition on December 8, 2010. This is highly unusual mm-hmm. that a bishop officially approves an apparition. It is so unusual, um, Kale, that there have been more than 300 reported apparitions of Our Lady in the last 500 years. Only 16 have been approved. This is the 16th. Or the others are really well-known. Guadalupe, mm-hmm. yep. Lourdes, um, Fatima, La Salette, um, Our Lady of Kibok, uh, in Rwanda, right? Knock. Um, and knock, right? So this is highly unusual. And so we were there that day, Drew and I, and Relevant Radio were broadcasting live because I think we were aware this is quite historic, right? Mm-hmm. This is the Absolutely. apparition of the United States of America. And I had come to believe in the veracity of it because I tend to be skeptical. Um, some people think I'm paranoid. I just I tend <laughs> to be skeptical. Mm-hmm. I mean, I believe in God. I believe in miracles. But, you know, I need that proof for myself. Absolutely. Yeah. And I take my time. I try to be respectful, you know, to, to people. So, you know, the first thing I think when somebody claims a miracle, I'm thinking of the 99 reasons why it might not be a miracle. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, Devil's advocate, right? So, yeah, which is, you know, I used to be a work for an accounting firm. I was <laughs> attentive yeah. to fraud, right? Yes, exactly, to, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, a couple months later, I was serving um, as the Master of Ceremonies at the Catholic Men's Conferences in the Diocese of Green Bay. It's called Estovir, which was a phrase from St. Josemaria, which means be, yeah, a man. be a man. It's in his book, um, because they, they had to come up with a new name. So anyway, at the end of that conference, I said, there's about 800 people there. I said, guys, um, I'm about to do something you're not supposed to do. Well, that got their attention. <laughs> what are you going to do? I said, I have an idea, and I am not taking responsibility for it. Usually, if you get an idea, <laughs> it's your responsibility. I said, yeah. my idea is this. Now that Bishop Brigham has approved this apparition, somebody, somebody needs to organize an annual walking pilgrimage from the headquarters of Relevant Radio and Green Bay's Wisconsin, out to the shrine of Our Lady of Good Help um, on a Saturday in May, because that's what they do in Catholic countries. They do that in Italy to the shrine of Our Lady of Loretto. They do that in Poland in August to the shrine of Our Lady of uh, Czeskohova. Mm -hmm. They also do it on the south side of Chicago with Polish to Indiana. It's a two-day walking pilgrimage. They do that in Philadelphia. You know, there's a big pilgrimage. Somebody needs to do that. They do that in Mexico. So I thought that was the last of it. But it fell in the mind and heart of two very fine gentlemen, uh, Pat Depre and Tom Schmidt. And uh, two years later, they launched the first Walk to Mary pilgrimage. And they did it from the National Shrine of St. Joseph at the College of St. Norbert in De Pere, Wisconsin, mm. all the way out to the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help in Champion, Wisconsin. That first year, about 300 people showed up. That's a big number. Yeah, that's a pretty big the next number. Next year, 600. First year. Last year, um, about 3,500 people showed up, and Incredible. this will be the 10th annual. Maybe we'll have four or five 
10,000, who knows? God knows. It all grows organically. People come from just about every state in the union. And um, I encourage people to come. Uh, we're praying for good weather. And we've had miracles along the way. People couldn't conceive. They do the walk to Mary. A year later, they've got a baby. Somebody couldn't find a spouse. A year later, they find a spouse. Mm. They didn't have a job. They didn't have a house. And then all of a sudden, after 30 years, they've got a house. Right? So I'm a big believer in the power of prayer, especially this kind of prayer, Kale. It's a full body, mind, yeah, heart, and soul experience. Prayer right? of the body, really. It's mortification oh, it is. in so many You're ways. On, oh, yeah, it is. You're on your feet. From 7 in the morning to 4 in the afternoon. Read the directions of your thing of coming so that you put mole skin on your bottom of your big toe on your heel. You change your <laughs> socks every 7 miles. You drink water and you take an Advil every 10 miles. And you just keep going. All right? I've done the whole thing, I'm going to say, um, 8 times, 7 times. 2 times yeah. I couldn't do it. One time I had a wedding. Another time I had a funeral. And so then I've told my friends since then, look, if you're going to have a wedding, get married, or die, please don't do it <laughs> don't the first week of May. Yeah, it, it, exactly. You're listening to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. My guest <laughs> is Father Rocky. It'd be great if we had 10,000 people turn out for the 10th anniversary of the Walk to Mary. And what I love about this, too, is that, Father, as you know, so many people get carried away with alleged Marian apparitions, and they go on pilgrimages to places where they simply haven't been approved. I'm not going to name names here, but you know what I'm talking about. There is an actual approved Marian apparition site in the United States that most people have never heard of, and this is a, another great idea to go. I, I just and I think it's part of our mission, rather to make this known all over the mm. country. And I've met people there. They drove from San Diego. They drove three days to go there, and they did this. I met two nurses from Oakland, California. I think two years ago, I said, while you're here, they said, we're exhausted from COVID. We work in the emergency yeah. rooms. We've seen too much death, you know, and we need we need to do this, right? I've met other people along the way, and everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a need. But, folks, I believe in miracles, and Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. And this is a real powerful way to ask because it's, you, you know, you're, you're walking those 21 miles. Now, what if you can't do 21 miles? Well, then you could do 14. Or you could mm -hmm. do seven or you could do two. Yeah. What if you start uh, at 21 miles and after 14, you said, I can't do it anymore. Okay, well, a bus picks you up, right? And yeah. friendly people take right. you to the end. At the end, they drive you home. Um, we're at God's mercy. You know, it has never um, rained. Uh, it drizzled once in the morning, but wow. it's never rained on us. And you know the weather that time of year in Green Bay can be awful. You could have a snowstorm. Yeah, but, it could be uh, tricky. Know, after lunch, the bus takes you across the main highway. You do the next seven miles out in Dairyland. And it's very bucolic. It's just mm -hmm. wonderful. You're close to the <laughs> earth. You're close to the sky. You're close to the cows who want to be going too, but they don't know how to do it. And um, at the <laughs> end, Bishop Brickin celebrates Mass. They get lots of Masses. The next day they have a May crowning. Yeah. Um, I used to do that every year, but last year I said I took a pass because after walking 21 miles, the next day I can, I can barely stand. Oh, you know? uh, so I took a pass yeah, on that. You, yeah, you paid the price, absolutely. Have you done any other walking pilgrimages like the Camino de Santiago in your life? or? I did the Santiago Camino, but in a Mercedes-Benz <laughs> van with five pilgrims, one who's in a wheelchair. That's how oh, we did wow. it. Yeah, she was in a wheelchair, so we went in style. 
Oh, I don't know if that counts. Yeah, I know people that have, that have flown there, and maybe they're a little advanced in age, and they'll they'll just kind of like almost like you're suggesting for the walk to Mary. They just did the last little bit, but they they, yeah. they did something right, and you can you yeah. can always do something. And see, and, you could go to these shrines in Europe, but you save yourself thousands of dollars exactly by coming to this one, right? Yeah, no. And I, you might I, say, well, what do I do with those thousands of dollars? You could donate it to Relevant Radio, <laughs> absolutely. and we'll buy more stations, right? It, it'll, yeah, it'll, it'll help get the gospel out there to more and more people. Hey, speaking of miracles, I know you believe in them. I, I do have a question here, Father. There's a caller on the line from Wisconsin who has a specific question about a miracle regarding this site. Let's go to Mary in Fremont, Wisconsin. What's your question for Father, Mary? Hi, Mary. Where is Fremont? Where is Fremont? West of Appleton, about 25 miles. Oh, that's beautiful countryside out there. Thank you, yeah. Mary. What's your prayer intention? My my question I'm sorry, is, what's your question? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I used to doing the rosary. I heard and read about that when they had the Great Pestical Fire. Right. And it was the same night as the Chicago Fire that they it formed sure a ring of people around this chapel area and they said the rosary and that place was saved where everything else around for miles burned up is that true? absolutely oh well i wasn't there so i don't know if it's true but that is the story <laughs> that's told so when the fire yeah. broke out um this is a matter of historical record right that's why i'm a big believer in it you know because this is not mm -hmm. yeah. made up this is the great peshtigal forest fire just google that anyone if you're interested go to wikipedia read it all about it. it's the largest forest fire in the history of the United States of America, to this day, largest, right? Incredible. A million acres, a thousand square miles, 3,000 people perished. But anyone who got to the little chapel on that property of six acres, um, they were saved. And that's where the apparition had taken place 12 years earlier to the date. It's the same day the city of Chicago burned down, October 8th and 9th, um, 1871. And what happened is Sister Adele was in the chapel. They were praying to Our Lady, and the fire started coming from the west with these big winds. And she grabbed the story. This is the way they tell the story. She grabbed the statue of Our Lady, and they went outside, and they started walking the perimeter of the property. She held the statue of Our Lady up, and the wind um, changed. And now the fire is coming from the north end of the property. It's a small property, six acres. And what wound up happening is spontaneously, they wound up doing a walking pilgrimage around the perimeter of the property all night long. And that's repeated every year on that date, also on August 15th. Now, here's where it gets really interesting, Mary. Um, the day uh, Bishop Ricken approved the apparition, um, the place was jam-packed, right? And I met a guy there who I knew a little bit from Green Bay. Michael Lee is his name. And he worked in religious education in St. Peter and St. Paul Parish. I said, Michael, what are you doing here? And he said, oh, didn't you know? This is where my brother Tommy was cured. I said, really? When was that? Oh, he said, that, that was 40, 50 years ago. I said, what was the deal? Well, my brother Tommy, at eight years old, had headaches. My mom and dad took him to the hospital. He had an x-ray. And he had a big brain tumor growing in his brain. And the doctor said there was nothing they could do. It was just going to continue to grow, and it would kill the child. So my father took my brother Tommy, eight years old. He put him on his shoulders, and he went out to the shrine, and they walked that perimeter, and they prayed the rosary. They did that every first Friday for a month, and after eight months, the tumor was gone. So we knew 
Our Lady of Good Help in Champaign, Wisconsin, cured my brother Tommy. And then we started hearing about all sorts of miracles that have been documented. So, yes, Mary, um, I think that's a true story. That's so powerful, Father. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for your time today. It's so good to run you down on the Kale Clark Show. And, of course, you'll be along later, of course, for the Family Rosary Across America at 7 p.m. Central, all across the nation on Relevant Radio. Father, can't thank you enough. Can't thank you enough for this. And God bless you. Thank you for inviting me to the show, and and um, keep up the great work you're doing, Kale. Oh, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Father. And once again, you can sign up for the 10th anniversary of the Walk to Mary and Lenten Lessons on the Mass Premium Edition by going to RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. We'll be right back on The Kale Clark Show after this message. Faith, facts, and fun. It's The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. That's right, and you can call in right now. It's a great time to call, 888-914-9149. Got a couple phone lines open. My thanks to Father Rocky Hoffman, CEO of Relevant Radio, host of the Family Rosary Across America. He'll be joining you later this evening at 7 p.m. Central for that. Don't miss it. You can call in with your prayer request. Really appreciate his time joining me earlier in the show. If you did miss it, well, of course, you can always go to the app later on. The podcast will be up just a few minutes after the show or go to relevantradio.com. You can share it. You can stream it any time. And now it's time. We're going to talk about something we got to really get back into in this home stretch of Lent. It's never too late, as we talked about earlier, as we joked about earlier. You can go to Lenten Lessons on the Mass. It's not too late to sign up for that. It's time to get serious about Lent, folks. We are almost at Holy Week, but don't give up. Uh, lots of graces can still come. And one of the things that we have to do is always to remember our death. Memento Mori, the Lenten devotional by Sister Teresa Alethea Noble. Let's look at her entry for today, for this Tuesday. And of course, the gospel reading comes to us from John chapter 8. And and here's something shocking that Jesus said in today's gospel. He said, I am going away and you will look for me, but you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. (laughs) These are just statements of Jesus that, that don't exactly comport well with the image that a lot of people have about him of meek and gentle Jesus who would never speak so bluntly. But as Sister Teresa says, these words are really terrifying. He had revealed who he is, his identity, through many, many signs. Especially in John's Gospel, it's the Gospel of signs. The miracles are signs pointing to his identity as God in the flesh. And Jesus has been patient, but right now he understands that we have a human tendency to put things off. We always do have a tendency to put things off. We procrastinate. And, uh, you know, this is something that I struggle with personally as well as procrastination. I'm trying to overcome it and doing it now. St. Paul says now is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. And so it's not too late for us this Lent. But Jesus knows that people think there's going to be plenty of time to get their spiritual house in order later. That's the great line of the lukewarm. That's the the password of the lukewarm later. And and if we're not careful, this can be our undoing. But Jesus says, hey, I'm not always going to be around on earth to explain these things to you. Of course, I'm not going to leave you alone. You're going to have the Eucharist. You're going to have me there with you sacramentally. You're going to have the church, the mystical body of Christ on earth. But here's what he says in today's gospel. He tells them, tells the crowd that he's going to be lifted up on the cross just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert. And of course, that's a reference to the book of Exodus. And if you go to 
the Faith Explained on RelevantRadio.com. Go to the show page or go to the app. We just did a, a big series on the book of Exodus, and you can go back to the episodes about this. And during this journey uh, in, in, the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the desert, God told Moses, make a bronze serpent, lift it up. The people had been bitten by snakes. Anybody who looks at the bronze serpent that is up, upheld will be healed. And Sister Teresa says, quote, Jesus is clearly making a similar promise, but this time, rather than a serpent, Jesus' bloodied body will be raised as the new source of healing. Even if the people did not completely understand Jesus' words, this must have been a shocking image for them to ponder. Upon hearing Jesus describe this scene, many came to believe in him. So simply just the words of Christ, and you would expect that to be the case, the God-man, which you know, with the gracious words coming from his lips at all times, that the people would believe in him even as he spoke. But this whole statement, you will die in your sin, uh, this is a, a grave warning. And Sister Teresa says that people still refuse to gaze in faith at Jesus on the cross. Instead, they see Jesus' bloodied body, they turn away either in disbelief or in disgust. And they assume that a poor carpenter spilled blood cannot heal their broken hearts, cannot give them what they most deeply desire, but they are wrong. Jesus' bloodied body does heal. And sometimes when we remember death, we also should gaze on the crucifix. As the people gazed on the serpent in the desert and were healed, Jesus wants us to gaze upon the crucifix and be healed. He wants us to look at him and to let him look at us. We can find healing by gazing at the God who loved us so much that he was lifted up on the wood of the cross like a common criminal. If we stand beneath the cross and let the Son of God's blood fall on us and roll into our hearts, we can be sure that we will not die in our sin. End of quote. That's a powerful passage, and it's very appropriate uh, for this day. And we, we started off the show by talking about the great tragedy that took place yesterday in Nashville. And there's a lot of suffering involved, a lot of people asking very, very serious questions about a lot of things and asking questions of God, too. How could you allow such a thing to happen? How can we believe in the existence of a good and benevolent God with the fact that horrific evil like this exists on earth? How could a good God allow such a thing? And we actually touched on that earlier today on the Faith Explained show. So if you didn't catch that, once again, go to the app. We talked about the problem of evil and suffering in the world. It's really the only good argument that an atheist has in his or her arsenal. But even this is not adequate. And in fact, uh, even from a Christian perspective, this does make sense. Why would God allow a world with suffering and evil? So if you missed that, please check that out on the Relevant Radio show page or go to the Relevant Radio app. We'll talk more about it tomorrow as well. What are some reasons that God might have allowed a world with suffering, with pain, with sin, sometimes horrific sin, to take place? There are, believe it or not, reasons why he did so. And uh, we should always be careful about trying to pass judgment on Almighty God. Our, our, our understanding is so limited. But we'll have some thoughts for you to consider, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow at 12.30 Central on The Faith Explained for more of that. You're definitely going to want to stick to Relevant Radio. Keep it locked here uh, for the rest of the night, really. And we're on 24-7, 365, broadcasting on over 200 stations across the United States of America with many more to come. 
Lord willing, and also through the internet all over the world, reaching souls for Christ through media. That's what we do here at Relevant Radio. So Tim Marie's coming up next, and don't forget, Father will be along later for the Family Rosary Across America. So please, please do be back with me tomorrow for the Kale Clark Show. I will be with you 23 hours from now, if you can believe that, uh, for another episode. And I'm so glad that you joined me today. My thanks also to Father Rocky, CEO of Relevant Radio, for spending the time with us earlier today, talking about so many things. We talked about the tragedy in Nashville. We talked about Lenten Lessons on the Mass, the Walk to Mary. Don't forget to sign up for that. It's the 10th anniversary. Lots of graces are out there for you. Take advantage. Go to RelevantRadio.com and the app and sign up today. Take care, everybody. God bless. Jim Shaper produced. Patrick Aylock took your phone calls. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.